Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Every freaking night and every freaking day. Welcome to the Sci Fi Sci under the Believe Podcast Network. It is indeed a podcast about black science fiction, black fantasy, and staying on the same page as a family. We're a family. Today, for episode 102, we'll be discussing fangirling, fanboying, fan. They Ink, Pregnancy Horror, Moving, and the novella Flowers for the Sea by Zen E. Rockland. But before we do that, I want to shout out to these amazing people called patrons, aka the Country Club. These are the people who said, Amber, Ben, and Wild Lynn, I love what y'all are doing, and I would like to give a dollar, two dollars, five dollars a month to support you in your creative endeavors. Some of those people are as follows. Jamie Holmes, Marissa Gordon, Elena Rodney, Sarah, Shante Kendall, Charlotte Buling, Joy, Jade Notice, Katina M. Jew, Jessica Lejeune, Cook, Gael Carpio, Mia Lane, and Kirsten. We will be shouting out those patrons every single month. We appreciate y'all. Also, patrons and Sci-Fi Sci Podcast listeners, you know how it went down um, in our bedroom because they saw a really nice video that shared what, Ben? It shared <laughs> not what you are not leading a sex us tape. Not a sex to tape. believe. Sorry, I'm so sorry. Wow. Uh, only fans. Patreon, only fans come not <laughs> only fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We Are we doing that announcement now for our only fans? <laughs> uh, so, come on, Ben, with the jokes. It was that joke. No, but job. I'm serious. I, only fans make some money. They really do. Listen, and, and anybody can do it. It's like YouTube. I don't think anybody can do it. I think you need to be like constantly entertaining, right. making people feel like it, one one on one. There's no gatekeeping of the publishing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, that would be correct. But it's kind of right. like it's probably like algorithm wise, like the 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 interface chooses what goes viral or not, probably right, or what What's what what pops of, up on yeah, your feed. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but as, anyway, as we you are can not tell, we are fans. very active on OnlyFans. So <laughs> this is the podcast where you learn about OnlyFans. If you thought we were going to discuss science fiction and fantasy, you are wrong. Instead, we are talking about porn for beginners. Uh, no. <laughs> so Amber and I broke a bed the first time ever that I broke a bed. I don't know about you. Have you broken a bed before? I've broken a bed before, but I'll be honest. The first time I've broken a bed, I think it was like pure sex acrobatics whereas oh. this time it was a little bit of sex and maybe weight gain <laughs> whereas the first time i knew it was not weight gain because it uh. was like college so it's like full you know it's not like king size beds it's like a fool or a twin it's like of course i broke that yeah no this was a king size bed with a nice way fear way fear way fear yeah we you should fear wayfair it's more like way fear See, because i knew we, we should have terrified for a king California King, the California King. We should have been got that California King bag. Instead, our big asses <laughs> down broke the king's ass. Anyway, bag. you can. Amber made a funny video about it. I don't want to discuss too much because then people will be like, well, then why do I need to join the Patreon if you're just going to rehash what happens on there, you know? Because we're the shit and you support yeah. us. It's yeah, fine. obviously. Nobody's yeah. going to say that. In no. our minds, we think people are, but they, or maybe they say it in their head. I don't know, but nobody says that to it's me. It's like that thing you think people are looking at you or talking about you. Well, influencers have that to like, level one billion yeah i'm always like oh my god what are what are people gonna say if if the boxes i packed for this move aren't like perfectly neat or, mm -hmm. and they're like they're gonna say nothing or i'm like what are people gonna say if i call my beautiful black woman of a wife um a cunt you know <laughs> oh yeah that 
That, even that went over pretty well, which is yeah. maybe just telling of how, how much society hates perceive. women. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But no, I I think Jesus. we're always in our head and in and, and reality, like nobody's checking for us. Um, speaking of checking things out, Ben, our basement flooded. Our storage unit. How are you? Co- you saw it. I didn't. I, I'm not going down there because I don't want to, you know, live the Titanic in real time. Well, it's just one of those things that you have to clean up right when it happens. You know, it's just one of those things living in a city. There is rain. Chicago had a shit ton of rain. There are sirens that are, you know, it's one picking of up things. people one of who, who tripped and fell crossing over a crosswalk or I, I don't know what they're being picked up for. Maybe they fell off their bike riding on the lakeshore without a helmet. Pushed. Maybe yeah. they were pushed. So I cleaned it up. I took care of it. And I realized, though, that this whole experience really taught me that when I give you bad news, if I accompaniment, if I create a little, an orchestration, an accompaniment you to always, bad news. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you be tripping over the words. I don't know how to fucking talk. I know. It's actually kind of cute. So last week I said corp- corporeal. And I meant corporeal. I had to look it up and have Are Google you sure it's talk. Co- it's corporeal. Or is it not corporal? No. Like corporal corp- punishment? No. No. Corpor- okay. It's corporeal. I had Google say it back to me. So it's one of those things, and I've said this before, is that homeschoolers really struggle with speaking because we spent most of the time, like you said, in our heads. So anyway. I mean, but you're super smart. It doesn't mean you're any less smart or any less intelligent. I'm not. I'm not. And I know that. I love yeah I, at that yeah that's it for me. We have been oh wait, I, but about the oh yes you, I lost track. So I realized that whining, dining you, and f- stuffing your face with delicious food, mm-hmm. and then giving you bad news is the way to it's ever way. C- like talk about anything. Because really, I usually just try to talk to you about things the way that you talk to me about things. For example, I'll be reading and you'll have an idea or something that frustrates you and I'll hear in the other room and then stomping into the room, say, I need to talk to you about this thing. You need to do this. And it immediately happens. You immediately feel it. And then you confront me where when I try to do that, it's a little bit more difficult for you to handle it just because you are more of a perfectionist where I'm more apathetic. So I can sort of deal with that where if I approach you in that way it doesn't go over as well but i actually respond better when you're firm and clear and you're and you're marching so i but now bad news or things that i need to talk to you about i just got to give you shots of tequila or mezcal and then you are all ears okay so let's back up i will stop my feet and clap my hands and do the whole charade and bit when it's you who is the person that has done the thing, like it'll just be something as simple, like, and Ben, you know, I love you, but you do not leave things where they were left. So my day to day is, you know, something, something, things that we share. So Ben always knows if I walk the dog, I leave the dog leash in our one specific place. If Ben walks the dog, 
ain't no telling where the leash is gonna be. The cap of the toothpaste is always I, gonna be in the other side of the. I let you talk. I know. Other I was side just of the gonna house. say that I, you so that so, dog leash could have been used as toilet paper. I don't know. Like yeah, I, so, I, so when it ends up in weird places. So when I'm doing that real time, I'm just kind of like. Where is the thing that I left it? It's like Ben asked to borrow my hair, my AirPods so they could be in the car in a pocket that was washed in the laundry. He would never just take something and put it exactly back where he got it from. So as you can imagine, it is super frustrating to walk around the house, not only cleaning up after me and Wild and Ben and Gucci, but that things are not where I left them. And where our designated spot for them is so that so but when I have bad news to share that you've done nothing had nothing to do with like the flooding had nothing to do with me. Yeah, you can butter me up. Okay. So But when I've done something and you're mad, you you stomp too. Sure, but I'm talking about successive communication styles. Successive? I, success. Full. Yeah. So or it's just success in general. Okay. So you can be successful by throwing a little bit of a fit. And I'll listen to you. Where if I throw a fit, the walls are just, poof. we're talking about Israel-Palestine shit. Like, uh, or, not, or not Berlin. or Berlin. what's happening in Israel-Palestine. Yeah. Well, walls, right? But people build walls so quickly. They really do. I just wish you could just walk through. We need to do like Freaky Friday. Like something fantastical needs to happen in this home. Because I wish you could just wake up and walk through a world where everything you put in a certain place has been moved. Except for things I obviously like, like my clothes are going to be where they are. That actually you sounds like them. a good short story where, where, where but, you, but, like but I you, die and then my ghost comes back and just moves, and moves things, things around, around just to fuck with you. But that's and actually that's why how I said, it, I'm like, is like that's how I know he's, he's haunting me. Like, no. Is he fucking with me right now? Well, or does he again, really just like like to leave things everywhere? Again, we're getting we're missing the issue. The issue is the issue? is that I your method of receiving communication can never involve me stomping or throwing a fit. If it's, you, if you want it to be effective, now right. Where if you throw a fit and you're upset and you stomp and you might say a little jab here and there, I'll still listen to you. I'm 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 that bitch. Like I just yes, you're the bitch leaving things everywhere. It's like some sort of like <laughs> mind fuck Hansel and Gretel living in this house. And even you know we stay with my parents. They're like, I, we cannot find the things that he put. That like if he borrowed a spatula, it could be back in the drawer or it could be in the garbage outside. It's or just in like, the bathroom. I spent a lot of time reading in the yeah, bathroom. Yeah, what what is that, Ben? Tell the listeners. <sighs> I, it's it's I toothpaste. Just it put out. the cap back on it. You did tell me to do that yesterday, and I went and did it. You and did. You did. I was like, I refuse to go in that bathroom unless you did. So you also refuse to get angry recently. You've sort of learned to regulate your emotions because just, you are my best friend, and yeah, I do you love don't you. Want to be mad at your best friend? And I I love creating content with my best friend. You taught me a new He's term. Just a slob. You taught me a new term recently that has to do with this. Okay. What What, what was it? I forgot it, but you taught me it. So I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the watermelon. Basically, I made a video of me cutting up watermelon very um, poorly or just incorrectly. I made a video, and it was so bad. Yes. Yeah. And so Amber calls that uh, intentional incomp or, or weaponized, weaponized incompetence. incompetence. I found it. I found the phrase, weaponized incompetence. Yeah. I never heard that before. Well, this idea I don't, I don't of doing that- something 
terribly, right? Let me de let me define it. This idea of doing something terribly so that someone won't ask you to do it, so you've weaponized your inability. Yeah. Do you think you do that sometimes? I don't think I do that. Maybe just. Like I think I'm just terrible at certain things. <laughs> You're like, I'm not strategizing how terrible yes, I am. I, I, I'm just terrible. I'm not. You oh, have that's... to be a certain level of, like, dickery. You have to be a true fucking piece of shit to weaponize your inability. And pure, like, that's next level of laziness. I'm not lazy. I'm just apathetic in certain ways. And I don't care about certain levels of cleanliness. Like I have certain levels of cleanliness, but yours is higher or standards. I have very different standards. So please sound off y'all. Is it, is it a high expectation for me to expect the cap of the toothpaste to be put back on? I, that, I mean, that's to the moon, I guess. But anyway, uh, we've been moving, which is, Here's the thing. This is why pe I'm sure people are like, Amber, you're so gorgeous. You're so talented. Why would you put up with this in a partner? And to that I say, Ben is like that player on the bench that really steps up when it's game time. Clutch. Clutch. I'm He's clutch. clutch. So it's like, yeah, he might have like fucked around in practice or whatever. But when there's something big happening, like a move, you have really... You, every day you're like, I'm going to get these boxes. I'm packing things up. I'm calling these companies. Like, so it's like, ah, I can't get rid of clutch because, but like in the day to day shit, he's pissing me off. But like, you, you know, you show up where it counts. Yeah. So it's like, and in the bedroom, breaking beds. Uh, sure. Uh, in, anyway, um, if you are Podcast still listening to this, review. you must really love this show. And we want always for you to send us your Apple podcast reviews. Ben, would you like to read it or would you like me to read it? You read it because you're the bomb. Okay. This one is from Mr. T.J. Izzle. T.Jizzle? I think that's more appropriate. Remember, if you make a apple podcast rating we will read that rating on the show good bad ugly we're going to read it so this one's from mr t jizzle a bomb podcast i just wanted to start off by saying y'all are so dope love the pod i'd also love to hear y'all's opinions on two works i recently stumbled on excellence which is a comic by brandon thomas it's kind of like an afro-futuristic family and political drama with magical and wizarding world flair and black no more a satirical novel turned musical by george schuyler set during the great depression about a machine that turns black people white Quite a plot device. Anyway, keep up the great work and congrats on the new baby. So I want to start by saying, have you read either of these? I've heard of Brandon Thomas, but I haven't read any of them. I've he Brandon Thomas is a pretty well-known name in the comic book game. Yeah, sure. I, I feel like even I have heard of Brandon Thomas, so that's saying something. So, Ben, we are going to um, T-Jizzle, Mr. T-Jizzle, we're going to add these two to our reading list because, as y'all know, that list is so long. I, I'm so grateful that we have we have chosen a niche podcast to do, but we have endless content and timeless content. Like, you can kind of, yeah, we're moving now, but you can kind of listen to this podcast Anytime it's not like pop culture or anything. Sometimes it is, but um, so we will be definitely adding excellence and black no more to the list. I say so we will be 
just so just to give y'all an update while we're packing things up and having to put things in boxes we're we're gonna have sort of a slump on books just for like a couple of weeks because they're physically packed up and we cannot accumulate more stuff but we're gonna be doing some movies and shows right Ben and then we're gonna pick back up on books probably in like a month or so um but we did read Flowers for the Sea right babe we did and the whole part of Flowers of the Sea, the way this came about is I went to Worldcon and I saw a panel with uh, some incredible people. It was Tanana Reepdu and, uh, and Zinni Rocklin, who wrote this book, was on the panel. And Zinni Rocklin was hilarious. They're very funny. Oh, yeah. They, uh, were, they just had really great energy. Listen to the panel. Zinni Rocklin's amazing. And I went... And I just love their energy. So I went, read one of their short stories. And I was like, oh, now now I need to like buy this amazing novella. So I was walking around the bookstore looking for books. And uh, and I saw Zinni Rockland. So I went over to them. I was like, oh, my gosh, you're really funny. Um, I read some of your stuff. I can't wait to cover this novella. And then they were like, wait, I know who you are. You're Ben. And so they actually knew Amber and me That's what I do, baby. I make and my so way we were just like downtown. both I think authors in my mind they sort of stand up above everybody else their mm-hmm. level of energy and their kindness and uh work ethic maybe not kindness not all authors are kind but their level of work ethic and the fact of writing is so difficult so I was just surprised that they knew me and were just as excited to talk to me as I was to them and we ended up like sitting down talking for like two hours because yeah. I I bought their novella that day, read it over the the con weekend, and then we discussed it. We really hit it off. And then later, they stayed for another two days. So I was like, hey, come to this bar and hang out with Amber and I. And then we ended up just talking and hanging out again for like a, a bunch of hours and drinking. And it was really great. So that's where this book comes from of like fanning. But when I was describing this to you, you came up with a new term. So as Ben just said... He goes up to this person and starts fanning as an uh, because they're an author, and then they start fanning him because he's on TikTok. So I was like, "Oh, y'all were fans sixty nining," which is so funny to me. I, I, I know. And there's a lot of that that happens at WorldCon, where mm. whenever like two people are a fan of each other's works and they never meet each other and they get really excited about meeting each other, that's called fan sixty nining. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this term. It is. Have a, you found it somewhere else? Maybe maybe I, I should trademark it. I, it's a more inclusive term, right? Because fanboying, fangirling is not gender neutral. But also fan sixty nining is a sexual term, so it sort of isolates asexual yeah. folk. Yeah. So, language is just not inclusive by default. Yeah. <laughs> but fan 69 yeah. is great <laughs> upward inflection yeah fan 69 is great we well we i think 69 can be used for more than just oral pleasure right because like, it's a metaphor you know we'll sit on the couch and both massage each other's feet that and, and i'll be like ben i'm only going to do this if we 69 the situation yeah. so i think 69 is just a great term to be like we're both putting in work maybe one person more than another, but <laughs> I'm kidding. Did, did, weren't I'm you kidding. applying? You started applying it to all different. You're like, oh, I'm just, this is, we're, we were just 69ing at work recently. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I thought we were 69ing, but we're actually not. It's just me down here. It's, it's a good word. 
I just it tickles me because I, 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 I can tell. I I think of like the very sexual image of sixty nineing, and then you applying that to just being like excited a, to a, see someone else. like it's office a, space or something. It's a different form of excitement for sure. All right, so we read this book, Flowers for the Sea. And it follows the story of Araxi, who's part of a collection of survivors who remain uh, after an apocalyptic event has forced everyone to live on the sea. So it has that cli-fi element. And then uh, basically all the women cannot have babies and all the babies are dying or being born as stillborns. But Araxi is actually able to have a baby and half the book is about her pregnancy and about her going into labor. The labor here is very long. And yeah. in the middle Yes. <laughs> yes. And in the middle of this, there are these monsters called razor fangs flying around and ripping people's arms off. And she is trying to deal with the fact that all her family, her immediate family, has been murdered because there's this indication that her family has this special relationship with the sea. Um, her grandma was, I think, being accused of being a sea witch or something along the line. And so she has to learn, live with these people who sort of treat her like shit, but also she's the last hope because she can actually have a baby. So that's... Yeah, very Handmaid's Tale, but also as I read it, I was like, oh, this is like if Ursula the sea witch had an origin story or some shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the baby ends up coming out with, like, tentacles and stuff. And it can fully talk once it's born. Creepy as shit. Super. I I was a fan of that. I was like, I kind of wish the human baby did this because the whole, like, what do you want? I'm, I'm... is it a back scratch? Is it a bottle? Are you tired? That That's hard. Also, being on a boat just generally sucks, and I feel like this yeah. book captures that. I remember when I went on a sailboat with my uncle, and I just was vomiting the whole time. It was awful. We romanticized, like, boat life. It's not something I don't hate a I boat. Want. Oh, I hate. I well, hate. you. I know you hate like cruises and stuff. God, just like well, not that we've ever been on a cruise together, but anytime I'm like, oh my god, we should just go on a cruise where everything is. You're like, uh, no. I there, there's that. one that I did suggest to you. It's called Joko, and it's basically a sure convention on a cruise. So I would go to that one, but despite being seasick, yeah. But it's, I mean, imagine being pregnant on a boat. You're sort of like walking, and your feet. Oh, are that's unsure. a hellhole. I'm, I'm sure they probably have a policy where you can't be pregnant and get on a boat at a certain point. Like if you go plane. into labor, they might not have the crew for it and stuff. You know? Uh, don't they have doctors, like actual doctors, on? on cruises because they're like small cities. Maybe they probably have like an EMT team, but they might not have like a midwife and all the fixings. Mm, maybe. I, I want to say this, um, Zen. And, and I told you this in person, but if you're listening, I cannot thank you enough for writing a novella where the, the character that was pregnant is pregnant for well over half of the novella and is in labor in active labor for well over half the novella because that is actually how long it feels. I, I one day I've told Ben this all the time. If I were to write a TV show, I would have the person get pregnant. Like whoever the, the actor is, that's pregnant. They would begin their pregnancy in season one and not give birth to season five because that is how long it feels. It's like, this you're talking about like over a year when you count everything from, I mean, and, and maybe more if you're trying for a really long time or you have miscarriages or whatever, but it is a very long process of 
holding and carrying a child and then giving birth to that child, especially near the end, like minutes just feel like years. So I'm so grateful that this book did not begin with someone pregnant. And then in chapter two, they've had the baby. Like the labor was most of the book and I, I cannot thank Zen enough. And I was, I could tell that Zen had talked to, um, Zen does not have kids, but I could tell that they talked to like many of their friends about like how long and grueling this is. Like you could just tell with the pages of the book. Can I, can I show people the book as well if, um, for the people watching on YouTube? Yeah. As Amber's showing that, Amber, do you, do you remember how bad we smelled like in the middle of your labor, after your labor, talk about the stench. Like, we, yeah. You think you smelled? I, I oh, can't. I, smelled. I couldn't smell anything outside of my bubble of funk and oh man, acridity. As as I learned from it, Zen's book, acrid, acrid. And that's the they talk about the smell. Araxi talks about uh, its first person narration, the smell of being pregnant, and just ugh. Um, I mean, we uh, there. I'm pretty certain we made a, a TikTok video about it once, where you were like massaging my back and you got a whiff of my. Scent. Oh. Or even oh my gosh, y'all! During my labor, which you know was a grueling 56 hours. During my labor, like near, I would say maybe 50 hours in, my mom was like, "I'm sorry, I gotta wipe you down." <laughs> and like as I'm pushing, my mom like just gets a hand towel and just starts wiping every crevice of my body because she's like, it smells so bad in here. Uh, but like, of course, near the end of pregnancy, you can't even, you know, this graphic, but you can't even give yourself a clean wipe. You so can't, like, it, reach over. Yeah, yeah, you physically cannot twist around. That and, bidet and give a, really came in yeah, handy. Yeah, the bidet came you. in handy, but still, you're just like, I can't even really wash myself because I haven't seen my vagina in months. <laughs> well, to you, that I point, we, I mean, we did have sex pretty uh, up to it. And actually, our midwife said we should have sex during labor. And in this book. We're not just going to talk about this boning this whole show. That and, That's relevant to the story. Yes, yes. In this book, she goes and has sex while she is in early labor. Yes. And Zen was telling us that a bunch of like white women had messaged her really upset that Zen... like a, a, a woman would never, <laughs> would never have sex during labor. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's a really intimate like instinct, like primal time. Like, of yeah. course, people have sex during labor. I, I wasn't. That was not my story. <laughs> but I mean, you do stuff early labor. You might dance around a little bit, walk around. Um, I don't know. It it. Zen really did their research with how labor doesn't have to look and feel one way, even though this is like a sea creature. Obviously, there were so many parallels to this book. I, I folded. So, oh, oh, I know what I'm going to say later in the book that I remembered. Well, I, there are parts of this because her baby has like tentacles and like latches onto her neck and like sort of stuns her. And it made me think of the times when you first started nursing and like the like that first latching and learning how to latch and just yeah, the, was the pain, the pain yes. and suffering. And that sort of captured in here as well. What, like, what's your question? Why, my question is like, why do people just think nursing is so important? And if you don't nurse, you're a bad mom because nursing is just the worst it is. It, it does kind of suck. I actually recently weaned off of um, breastfeeding because it was just a lot like from the pump to, to traveling everywhere to like it not having all the fats that it needed. Um, but I, I think people like to mom shame and parent shame. Yeah. If I'm being honest, like people who 
breastfeed get criticism people who nurse who pump who formula like everybody's getting it from all ends so I think everybody just has this like idea of like what it's like to be the perfect parent but I definitely do think some of the more like natural crunchy crunchy granola circles that we obviously run in because of the yoga and because of the birth center they're all about like exclusively breast pumping but um which, I think every mom needs to do or every parent needs to do what works for them. It's just like it's it's very, very hard to just exclusively pump. It was for me. We did it for four months, but I, I'm out of there, baby. Well, I'm there's a there. book called Crib Sheet that looks at the data. The, the data behind it is strong to suggest that there is really no big long term difference yeah. between breastfeeding and um and using formula essentially yeah. the things that really stand out has to do with reading and uh, what what other comforts you're providing to your child but the level of like you need to breastfeed but this book captures like when you breastfeed and have that intimacy with the baby like that baby is sort of t like sucking from you and at one point yeah. describes the baby as a parasite in the book Absolutely. because it's stealing all your so so reading this did you miss the the glow of being pregnant no, not at all. I think this book perfectly captures. I obviously, if you have not carried a child, you will still enjoy this book. But this book really, this novella perfectly captured sort of the underbelly of pregnancy. I mean, I I know that like if you talk to the average person who's been pun, pregnant, pun intended, the underbelly, the und yes, the un the unintended underbelly of um just how grueling pregnancy and labor can be because there was not an ounce of joy in this motherhood story. And I actually really appreciated that because, and I, I had this problem when Wild was first born. It's like, I love this child, obviously, but this child is a symbol and reminder of the day that I was in the greatest pain of my life. And, mm -hmm. and it just takes, it just takes a long time to reconcile that because every time you look at them, you just kind of like touch your stomach a little bit because you're like, wow, that I did that. Like you feel like a boss, but it, you know, they rip you apart and it, and it hurts and it's very traumatic. Like, and, and my doula told us that early. So we were definitely prepared mentally, but like birth is traumatic. It is inherently traumatic. And I, I remember even carrying wild. I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I, I just tried to talk intimately with my grandmother about like you did this six times and in some cases like fully you know against your will not that not that um it wasn't consensual but just like back then they just didn't have birth control and things like that and women weren't allowed to go to work and so a lot of ways I'm like wow but there was a good portion of your adulthood where you were just kind of like a prisoner in your own body and she's like yeah and, and you like, had to do it again and you and had again. to do it again and again and again and I just I'm, I'm floored I mean obviously we could have a whole debate about how forced motherhood is inhumane and uh, like obviously we could go on and on about laws being overturned and stuff like that but we all we all know that I just I just think I don't know well this, I think this book did a really great job just capturing all of that gunk that well, is motherhood. Obviously, we don't all know that. You say we all know that, but obviously, we don't all I think all if that. you listen to our show, you know about Roe versus Wade being I, overturned. I guess and we how as in humans. That. Yeah. yeah I, oh, no, I mean, I'm like, saying humans. Not all humans know the, the cost because when I ask, like, 
when it's like, okay, what is, where did this idea come to write this book? And they're like, well, I was just tired of hearing everyone saying the glow, the glow, don't you like love the glow of pregnancy and all that? I'm like, Zen was like, no, I wanted to write something that dealt with the trauma, the pain. And I think a lot of people just associate like pregnancy as just this beautiful, wonderful thing for everybody. For everyone, like pregnancy yeah. is a good thing. Everyone should have kids. Everyone should do it. It's it's one of the most incredible things. There's a really famous book uh, called Tuesdays with Maury. And there's a line in there where the main character, Maury says, you know, there's nothing like having kids. There's no substitute to having kids. It's the most important thing you can do. And this book sort of challenges that head on. So there is a crying baby scene. And when the baby cries... It's so loud that people's ears start bleeding. And I feel like it just perfectly captures that feeling when you're trying to sleep or you're trying to record a podcast and you hear a baby <laughs> cry and you're just like, fuck, my ears are bleeding. Like this, this is not, this book isn't so important, especially it's important now. Like people who listen to our show obviously probably align with us on our political beliefs. But I would say buy this for someone who's like abortion is, you know, like, is it? really the right thing you know and this book will be like yes some things should <laughs> well, be aborted <laughs> i want i want to also leave with look at look at her wiggling in that we're, we're looking at the baby monitor and she is just oh she she just lost the fight okay we i i, I want to say that the book is it forces you to be mindful as you read this book this is not um I don't know. This this is this is not a once upon a time kind of book. Like you have to read this book very carefully to understand some things happening. I remember saying that to Ben when I first started it. And, um, and I love this book. I just want to say it's so beautifully written stylistically. But it it I don't know. There's a level of rigor with this book that I was like, OK, let me like really pay attention or let me reread a couple paragraphs here. Um, or I would ask Ben, I was like, I interpret it. I think there's a lot of room for interpretation on a couple of the scenes for things, right, babe? Yes. So there are dream sequences and then there's flashbacks. And so you do have to, it requires your attention. It's not a linear, linear, again, I can't talk. How do you say that? Linear. Thank you. It's not lit or there are some parts, not to spoil all of it, but there are some parts where you're like, Wait, so whose baby is this? Or are they polyamorous? Or did was this a There is some polyamory. Again, yeah, going yeah, so on. there are some things and and I, I would more so say like it's out of the box in some of that way. I don't know. If out of the box is good, but it's like you, you have to think a little bit you have to unthink what you assume of like, oh, a mom and a woman get pregnant and this is the da da da. Um there's a lot at play here, but yes, when it came to the screaming of the child, all of that was very clear. And uh, I, I just want to read, because I remember this um, on page 89. This is, so the child has been born, and uh, this is kind of describing the child's cry. Uh, it is, in fact, to hand a child to me, but the disturbance is too much. Those lungs, bigger than anyone can imagine, release a howl so deep, so profound, nearly everyone is brought to their knees. I won't read the rest, but I, rem- I remember reading that and thinking like, yes, those lungs, that howl, she brings me to my knees. <laughs> Like when you're just like super exhausted and just like drained of everything you have and you and you feel like you've given this precious little needy thing every part of you and they just still let out this like 
guttural howl and scream. I was like, Zen gets it. Zen gets me. Um, so I appreciate just those descriptions. I appreciate also that this baby being can talk. And I don't know, I, I really want to celebrate this book for a second because we're kind of in the season of, well, I'll say this much. If you are a racist white person, you're having a really bad week you are as far as week. black people in fantasy right now because we got Little Mermaid. You're upset about that. We got like the new uh, Game of Thrones. You're upset about black Targaryens. We got the new Lord of the Rings thing. You're, you're upset black about Hobbits. black elves and black. So, so add this book, this novella to the pile of like black sea witches and urchins and aquatic beasts all being black as fuck um like like you're just having a bad week like the Pile outrage this up on the other things you should hate add this to the list of the, like i hope buy it read it <laughs> yeah and then queen lizzie died so you're you're fully wrecked this week like i understand but i'm so happy because the biggest thing um coming out of like i'm not sure how many things you saw about all of the I can't believe I'm saying this little mermaid backlash. The biggest things out of this week is like, well, y'all have your own stories. Don't you just tell those? It's like we fucking are like flowers for the sea is a black sea aquatic creature story. Did you read it? Yeah. Fuck you. You did it. So pick it up and read it. Like I'm not to, to give them any more of my energy, but I'm so sick of hearing. And, and I, and I understand that like, you know, all the time I'm like, why are they remaking Annie as black? Like we got our own stories, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play that shit for a while. You bet your ass, I'm going to. I'm gonna play her the old school, new school, whatever. Like, so fucking what that there are black elves. Like I, I'm so sick of historically. This doesn't make sense. Historically, a mermaid doesn't make sense. Shut up. Wake up, six. Didn't you say Devil something that people were upset that? melanin would not show up under the sea i legit saw a comment saying like there wouldn't be melanated skin under the sea because there's no sun down there it's like this is a <laughs> fictional fish you just say you're racist i actually really appreciate people are like honestly i'm just racist i just don't like black people in my fantasy just leave with that like stop trying to make sense of an aquatic being so they're and so they're really gonna like I don't know this, this, if, if you are saying like, just make your own stories about fish and fictitious creatures, we did it. Zen is a black author who's a freaking boss stylistic and the deep. We we've done it. Yeah. And a little bit of, um, what did we read by a quick Freshwater. Like they're, they're all over the place mm -hmm. and they're going to be made into shows. And guess what? You're going to find something the fuck to say when those come out. So eat it. Eat it. All right. That's the end of my rant. I'm so sorry, but. No, this we're, is great. We're going to see the Black Little Mermaid. And we're probably going to roll our eyes because, yeah, we like cartoons. I, I like animation. Every animation does not have to be made as a remake. But you bet your ass me and Wad are going to sit up there and be black princesses, bitch. Yeah. Fuck you. And, and, and sea witches. And I'll be, your, and I'll be the witches. white servant. I'll be the white jester. You can be the damn scuttle the bird. But this is a good. Who scuttle the bird? The scuttle, the seagull. Scuttle, ain't that his name? Uh, oh, I don't remember. I, I, I don't well, you're him. If, <laughs> if you know, you know. I don't think I've seen The Little Mermaid, actually, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, I don't think I've seen the original. You're lying. You're just I saying think, that I, I actually woke. don't think I've seen it. 
Well, well, let's watch it tonight. And now I've definitely it's, not it's seen really it. It's really good. Uh, so I always want to say that like the first Little Mermaid I ever saw had a the black mermaid this white teacher uh that i used to work with at oh the God. high school she said something one day like i've never even seen a white cinderella brandy I was, <laughs> was my first cinderella i was like bitch shut up i was thinking that you know that. that's not true like just say you're racist and let's move on and get out of this god-awful copy machine don't, room don't you just love how certain <laughs> kinds of people my people specifically try to do backflips to not be racist yeah i'm like dude my first Cinderella was a blonde white girl. Like, you don't have to that. Like you are reaching right now by saying that. Um, oh, so this to sort of close this out here. I want to. Yeah. Sorry, I was on a rant there. No, no, you, you're fine. So, so sorry. this it's so beautiful. Uh, it's oh, sort of like beautiful. a fever dream. Um, and there's this. I'm going to read y'all a quick flashback um, where. Uh, Araxes is remembering the death of her family. Silence has rendered me stupid as my brother's skin bubbles and pops, as my father morphs into ash. My sister's face melts like loose wax away from wet muscle, and my mother... Dot, dot, dot. So that's sort of the the tone of this. It's very mm-hmm. disturbing. There is a trigger warning in the front of the book. Um, so beware of that. But it is gothic horror, gothic, um, creepy, beautiful uh, language at its finest. And I would say the only sigh is that Zen uh, is now in grad school. And from what I understand, spending a lot of time like doing grad school writing and not writing a whole lot. But I this I really do believe that this is a start of like a really strong career. And I can't wait to see what they do next. Oh, Zen, I know you're listening to this, Zen. We love you. We loved this story. Thank you for making black sea creatures. And wh- I, I just love any aquatic story. And it, and we and we do have our own stories. And this is one of them. And it's so powerful and beautiful. And, and birth near the end just fucking sucks. So thank you for validating that experience that I just recently had. And it, I know that there was a trigger warning at the beginning of this book, but for me, this wasn't so much triggering as like, yes, thank you. (laughs) That that, that, that was, yes, it sucks. (laughs) Someone gets it. And then the minute they like plop out of you, you're like, I know I'm supposed to be feeling something for this thing, but honestly, I'm just fucking relieved. Yeah. I want to get off of this table and walk away, but I have to stay here so I won't be handcuffed. And so, Zen, you captured that um, in 104 pages, and I so much appreciate you. With that being said, oh, my God, there goes that howl, yeah, that, that howl. scream. Uh, with that being said, Ben, why don't you warp up the show? In conclusion, make sure that you buy the novella Flowers for the Sea. It is a short read by Zen E. Rocklin. Uh, thanks, y'all, for listening. Bye, y'all. No, wait. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> go, go get th- that crying baby. Just put her in the camera so everybody can be like, oh, how cute. Because it ain't cute. Just kidding. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Sci Podcast. Up next, we will be discussing The Purge. The first purge. Yeah, you didn't. The, the first purge. Directed by Gerard McMurray. A black man created the first purge and we will be watching that so go watch that 
pray for us as we pack for boxes. Um, if you've had a baby before, read this book so you're like, yeah, they get it. And we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all. Don't tell well I said any of this because I love her so much. Hello. Hi, it's Bobby. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.